Your coffee smells very good. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm not going to let you touch it. I'm, it's across the table from me. Actually, I, I want to drink it, but mostly I'm just holding it in my hands because my hands are so cold. To keep it warm? To keep it. No, you, not to keep it warm, to keep my hands warm. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's coffee. <laughs> hello, everybody. I hope you're with us to, uh, feeling warm, sitting by the fireside as you listen to this podcast. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael Pupp is here with Father Herb Weber. Yes, and we are going to talk scripture today, but first... I just, you know, you were just saying, I hope you're feeling warm by the fireside. This is just the best time of year. Fires, coffee, blankets. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. I did that last week. I came in, I intentionally went out for a long walk. The wind was blowing in my face. I allowed myself to get really cold so that I could come in and warm up. I guess Actually, you, sometimes you, you enjoy something by its opposite, right? You yeah. don't appreciate light until you're in darkness. Yes. Uh, you don't appreciate truth until you've been lied to. You don't appreciate mowing the lawn until you have to shovel the snow. <laughs> I, that's not an opposite. <laughs> uh, but I'm enjoying the snow. It was fun. The our, As soon as the flurry started flying over the weekend... Uh, my kids said, can we go outside right now and play in the snow? I mean, it and was... You, and you said, after you're finished eating your avocado toast. No, I did not say that. <laughs> I, I said, well, why don't you let some accumulate first? And uh, so by Sunday afternoon... Did, they said, Dad, what does accumulate me, mean? And then I explained to them that accumulate means to allow a lot of it to fall on the ground and pile up. That's the official definition of accum- <laughs> accumulation. But it was fun. But I, uh, so I, when I got home after the morning masses on Sunday, I shoveled and then I was playing outside with the girls a little bit in the snow. I don't know if you've sensed this yet. I feel like there's kind of like this, this mystical transition happening on Sunday afternoons now that we have this Sunday evening mass. Like the, the Sunday Eucharistic celebrations are kind of continuing throughout the day in anticipation for that Sunday evening mass, like kind of oneness with the community throughout the day. Do you feel that at all? That is mystical. Uh, no, I don't feel it like that. What I do feel is that the Sunday evening mass is just a wonderful way to end Sunday. For, it is. for me, yeah. it, it's I want to I don't want to say the mornings are hectic because that sounds negative. There's an intensity to Sunday mornings. Sure. The crowds are bigger. There's a lot of things going on. Yeah. Uh, people coming and trying to get the day off to a good start. I sure. mean, it's, I enjoy Sunday morning to no end. Right. Me and too. I, and I love big crowds. But the Sunday evening is so much more laid back and relaxed. And so when I come on Sunday evening, uh, by that time I know my homily. <laughs> Unless Father Jeff has the Mass. And then I still know my homily. I just don't <laughs> deliver it. Yeah. Uh, but it's also a time when it's just easy to, to talk to people. Sure. And I noticed, and maybe the weather had something to do with it Sunday, after all the masses, people were in no hurry to go anywhere. Yeah, you, you mentioned that to me. People just kind of stayed around. There to... were just groups here and groups there, and you know, just having a nice conversation. It was way beyond just, oh, my name is, my name is Herb, what's yours? Yeah. It was way beyond that, but they were having a pleasant conversation. Sure. And, and different groups, some people I knew, some I didn't know. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that's kind of what I'm thinking of. It's kind of like the rhythm of Sunday. You know, we always talk about keeping holy the Sabbath. And uh, with the addition of the Sunday evening Mass, I feel like kind of the rhythm of the day, you know, we begin with morning prayer, morning worship, and it's kind of like the whole day is this offering to God as then we re 
congregate, for lack of a better word, in the evening. And we and I, I think it helps right now, too, that when we leave on Sunday, it's dark. It's like, okay, the day yeah. is done. We've offered this day for the Lord. And maybe that's just a little taste of what the monastic communities go through on a regular basis, where the, the entire day is given to God because they stop a number of times during the day sure. to assemble, to congregate, yeah. and to, to praise God. With their morning prayer and midday prayer, evening prayer, vespers, sure. the whole thing. Beautiful. Hey, uh, we're back to ordinary time. I know. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I have to explain ordinary time. This is, I okay, I've worked with you for 14 years. I can, can I do this for you? Okay, do do what, this I'll, is what I'll, I will, I will grade you. This is what you say. Just because it's ordinary time doesn't mean that it's boring time. I wasn't going to say that this time or, because uh, people you, are bored with me saying that. Okay. <laughs> Okay, what were you going to say? I was going to say, it's the non-season. Then, okay, the, I've never heard you say that, to your well, credit. We, we've got Advent season, right. mm-hmm. Christmas season, yes. Lenten season, Easter season, which is the longest of all of them. Thank God. And then all the other time is the non-season. It's when there's nothing seasonal happening. There's no none of the big, big events. Sure. Because even like... Um, Epiphany and Pentecost are incorporated into the others. Sure. So it's basically the time of no special event, but that's where life is lived. We're also running into, outside of the liturgical calendar, sometimes one of the hardest times of year for people that deal maybe with seasonal depression or just kind of get into the, you know, I talked about how much I love this time of year. Sometimes people, by the time they hit February, they just can't take winter anymore. Well, if you've noticed, our trip to Guatemala this year, our mission trip, is the second half of February. Yeah. So February 15th to 22nd. Sure. And I chose that partly because Lent is late, but mainly because when I go somewhere where it's warm and there's leaves on the trees and flowers are blooming, and then you come back, you don't want to have a whole lot of winter left. Sure. And your hands finally warm up too. My hand, yeah. I, I hold a cup of coffee all the way there and all the way back. <laughs> but back to what you're saying about the um, the non-season, uh, I was saying life is lived in the non-season in the sense that you can go to mountaintops, hmm. but you don't live on the mountaintop. Sure. You can, you can go to uh, a special uh, place, you know, go to the top of the Eiffel Tower if you want. Sure. But you don't live there. So you can have these peak experiences, but life is lived in the ordinary. Mm. And that's that's why ordinary time is really quite important. And that's the reason I love to tell people it is not boring. boring. It is where we go. So we're in the year of Luke. And year, from, what cycle is this? Cycle C. Uh, A, B, C, Matthew, C. Mark, Luke. Okay. We're in the year of Luke, and we will be reading from the Gospel of Luke every Sunday from now to the end of November, except this Sunday. This Sunday. We stick in John's Gospel, uh, chapter 2, the, the wedding at Cana. Yeah. They, John and Luke had a bet Luke lost, so John got this Sunday. <laughs> That's not quite the way the liturgists would look oh, at it. Oh, sorry. But, you know, John doesn't have his own own year, so we, we have parts of his gospel put into all of the other years. Can you imagine a whole year of John? It would just be... Oh, I love it. I love John. It, it, he's... Uh, and if I can make an, uh, a reference to last week's homily, yeah, John's my favorite. John's gospel. your... Uh, but all the gospels are your favorite? Uh, Luke's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did Mark there. is my favorite. Okay, I hope people <laughs> Notice remember. he didn't say Michael is his favorite. Michael did not write a gospel. Uh-huh. He just lives it. Okay. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about this. Oh, oh, one more thing before I get into it. Sure. Uh, this is a, an ad, a paid ad I'm stuck, sticking in on <laughs> Febru- February 2nd. Uh-huh. Groundhog's Day. Groundhog's Day, which is only two weeks away uh-huh. or so. Uh-huh. I'm going to have an hour and a half from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Uh-huh. Coffee with looking at Luke. And you're just going to sit here and stare at him. No, we're going to look at Luke's gospel. Like an art gallery. And I'm going to give some guiding principles to keep in mind. So as you read the gospel of Luke, look for this uh, train of thought or look for this mindset or look for this thread that weaves its way through. Great. So that's coming up. And it's on a Saturday morning. Are you providing childcare? Well, not you personally. Um, I never thought about that. That would be good, wouldn't it? That would be good. It we should line that up. It would be very good. Well, we might have childcare. We'll definitely have coffee. Coffee's good. That doesn't take care of my children, though. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Let's talk about the, the wedding at Cana. Now, we have a wedding this weekend. We do. On Saturday. And I have a wedding the following Saturday as well. Yes. And then a couple weeks after that, I have a wedding. So this winter, I have three weddings. We have lots of weddings this, this year. This is going to be a great year for I count, weddings. I counted 28 weddings this year. 28. So far. It's going to be great. There's still some coming in. And uh, just as an aside, it's always good to pray for the couples preparing for marriage. Oh, yeah. And they're, you know, they're wonderful couples. I won't say that others are not. <laughs> but but we've got the best couples you know, getting those, ready for marriage. Those couples that got married in 2010. No, I'm not talking about past years. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying we have wonderful couples yeah. uh, who are looking at entering the sacrament of marriage. Well, what's been fun for, for me, too, as I get to meet with the couples and plan music is now that our parish has been around, there's lots of couples that have grown up in this parish. That That's one of the reasons we have so many right now. Yeah, I think... Having a, a church building is actually attractive, but many of the people are coming here because the church, the community, some have already grown up in this parish, yeah. and others uh, have joined more recently, but it speaks a lot to them. Sure. So if I could request all those of you that are, are avid listeners of the podcast, maybe to keep all of these couples in prayer and use it as an opportunity for all of us to renew our own. How many years have you been married? It will be uh, nine I, I know, years I know it was this in o- October, October. Yeah, it was eight years. Eight years. So, wow. Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah. No, no eight-year itch or anything. Just a, just a case of lice. No. <laughs> I hope not. No, I'm no, just kidding. Okay. My hat's off to Claire. Okay. She's an avid listener. She's appreciating that right now. Last week you said she didn't listen. I just told you that so you would tell me the truth. <laughs> John chapter 2. John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Um. I'm going to read this. Okay. That's a good start. And then I'm going to point out what people get uh, sidetracked on. I bet I know what it is, but read it first. Or they get sidetracked on several things. Just like us. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. Remember, it's up in Galilee, northern part. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now, (coughs) excuse me. The coughing is not in the gospel. Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 
to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. Now, obviously, the reason, the main reason this is done at the beginning of our year Mm -hmm. of ordinary time is because it's listed as the first of the signs, at least in John's gospel. Mm -hmm. Okay, but it's way more than that. Now, here's where people get sidetracked. I was going to ask you. Uh, Two big obvious ones. The first one is they get offended when Jesus says to Mary, woman. How dare you talk to your mother that way? How do you talk to your mother? Do you kiss your mother with that mouth? Uh, how do I talk to my mother? You don't say, hey, woman, do you? <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, <laughs> I wouldn't be standing. Notice he didn't say, hey, woman. He just says, woman. No, I, no, I wouldn't talk to my mother. We have a, a problem in translation here. Sure. It's, and not just the language, but also in the culture. Sure. Oh, of course. This, this is 21st century America looking at a 20th century uh, Middle Eastern comment. Right. It was not offensive at all. Mm-hmm. It's just... You know, would you take a, you know, why, why are you asking me or tell me more what this is all about? Well, and I think you have to also look at the life of Christ. What was one of the things that Jesus was concerned with while he was hanging on the cross? You know, his mom. He said, uh, woman, behold your son. Yeah. Son, behold your mother. Yeah. So he did not say, hey, ma. He said, woman. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think he had. And that's also in John's gospel, by the way. So there's a. uh, a consistency there. I think he had a deep respect and love for his mother that obviously we as a church have yeah. inherited as well. The what's second, the other sec- the yeah, second what's the thing second that one? people get carried away with or worry about is the sheer amount of wine from the sheer amount of water. You know, six water jars, yeah. 20 to 30 gallons. Now, That's a party. I, don't, I don't know. First of all, I don't think they use gallons. You know, so that's kind of a translation thing too. Sure. Uh, but there's, they're really saying a whole lot of water and the filled to the brim, uh-huh. which is a wonderful image. It's sort of like... Spilling over. It's spilling over, but uh, God doesn't uh, cut corners. Yeah. God is lavish. That song that you like, the song that I like, the song that everybody likes, you know, your grace is enough. Oh, yeah. I keep saying, but it's wrong. Well, that's God, God's grace is way more than enough. Isn't that scripture though? Your grace sure, is sufficient sure. is the translation. Your grace is, that is sufficient. Paul? Yeah. But I want to say your God, your grace is sufficient. And then some more overflowing. So it's overflowing. And furthermore, the image of water is a, from the Genesis, the image, and this, by the way, this whole passage is all about symbolism. Sure. The, the image of water is creation, right? The story of creation. And even when, Adam and Eve had to flee the garden because oh. of original sin. It, you know, the, it's the garden where the rivers flow. Uh-huh. So it's sort of like saying the whole gospel is now presenting 
the new creation, the recreation of the world through Jesus. That has been transformed. Yeah. And who, it's not just water becoming wine. We become the new wine. That the, we, the we church, too are transformed. That, yeah. And it, that's why I love to use this passage at a wedding. And every so often, it's one of the options that couples can choose for their wedding. And I'm guessing about one out of every six, one out of every sub, seven couples uh-huh. choose this as the, their gospel choice. I had one last fall. And I always meet with the couples as we plan the liturgy. And when they tell me which gospel cho- reading they chose... I ask them, why did you choose this one? Mm-hmm. In fact, this was my nephew's wedding, my great nephew's wedding down in Dayton, University of Dayton, and they chose this passage. And so I asked them, I said, why did you pick this passage? And they said they went to a pre-marriage weekend, mm-hmm. and one of the speakers had used this and talked about it extensively. The whole thing of its transformation, and we are the uh, water become wine, we are called, and, and that we have to be generous of heart, and we have to make a difference in the world. Yeah. You know, the, the wine is not for itself. It's not like, oh, look, we got a whole bunch of new wine. Let's, let's bottle it and put it on the shelf. Right. It's like, no, let people drink of it freely. And share this with others. And then the other thing you have to remember, weddings took place over days. And so it's not like, you know, you're just going to have one big party. It, sure. It, and different people came and probably the whole community showed up. We don't even know who got married. It's sort of anonymous. The wedding at Cana. <laughs> we don't even know if they stayed married. The um I think a lot of people, you know, you always hear this very candidly when people are are at a social gathering and you know, they say, "Oh, well, you know, Jesus doesn't mind if we drink because he turned water into wine. It was his first miracle." So, of course, he wants us to drink lavishly. I don't think that's the point of this story. That's what I said. There's a lot of way, you know, I think we just we just water it down all the time. No pun intended. Water it down all the time. Did I tell you about the, uh, where was that? Oh, just last year when I was went out to the parish picnic. Yeah. I went out to Maumee State Park. and I had Oh, the camp out, the parish the camp out. Yeah. And I had to take with me all of the, the fixings for oh, mass. Yes. Yeah. And I, I needed to take some wine along. Mm-hmm. So I had a... a, a bottle of water Mm -hmm. and I emptied the contents from the plastic bottle and I put wine in and I took it out there so when once I got out to mommy bay a couple of the guys started helping me unload the box with all the mass things and one of the guys I think it was Aaron picked up the the water bottle that was filled with a beautiful red wine yeah and he held it up and he yelled it happened again it happened again (laughs) and then he I looked at him and he said Surely, this was water when you left the church, wasn't it? Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! Let's um, before we run out of time here, can we go to Isaiah real quick? We could, and Isaiah uses an image because you got to remember during ordinary time, the first reading and the gospel are the same theme. They link. They link. The second reading is usually a secondary theme, which is very powerful this week. But we won't have time to get into it. But the first one, would you like to to read the second half? You want me to start at Nations there? Yes, please. From Isaiah chapter 62. Nations shall behold your vindication and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, pronounced by the mouth of the Lord. You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight and your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you, 
And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. So that that whole image of marriage, again, it's uh, akin to the gospel, but it's not about a man and a woman. It's about God's relationship with the people. So Mm -hmm. the prophet Isaiah is saying, you know, you guys have been in the in captivity because you know you you feel like your land has been plundered by the Babylonians mm-hmm. and it has been but you will be brought back mm. and then you're going to be rejoicing uh, no longer will you be called desolate or forsaken but you'll be espoused you'll be the delight you'll be the spouse to God the the whole relationship we call that the covenant mm. Uh, and the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, New Testament's New Covenant, but the real covenant is the relationship between God and his people, God and the church, and then we also use the covenant as the image of a husband and a wife. Well, and we use, you know, we often call the church the bride of Christ. Yeah. You know, that, that, as, that as we enter that covenant that we are bonded with God. And what a beautiful way to think about that. Almost back to last week with God showing favoritism, you know, Obviously, your spouse uh, is one of the most important person in your life other than God, correct? And so if God thinks of you that way, how could he ever love you any differently than he loves everyone else? Even 800 million, billion, zillion people. I just made it. Not zillion. I know, I I just wanted to. you kind of exaggerated. I might have exaggerated a little bit. They found an eighth continent that was filled, (laughs) filled with a lot of people. Right, it's stuck at the North Pole. Well, that, that is exactly what's happening. We are in that covenant relationship with God. Yeah. And the waters run freely, and they are a sign of the new life, the new wine. Lavish, transformative love. And his grace is more than enough. Overflowing. Amen. Hey, everybody, we hope you have a great week. We'll see you this weekend. There might be some snow, but we're still going to be here. We'll be here. All right, take care. <laughs>